3: Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a really
2: bad sunburn? I sure have, my very first Kona, I'll never forget. It was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Zelio Sun Barrier SPF 45 is a zinc-based and water-resistant sunscreen. It's long-lasting, oil-free, and won't sting your eyes. I've used it, and it works great.
0: I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelio's products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like Heather Jackson, Lindsey Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget someone? Oh, that's right, and our very own Haley Chura. Well,
2: Zelio's products are made with high-quality and long-lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions, and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our skin
0: or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF 45, the Twixt Chamois Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products, and the Body Lotion. You can use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com
2: to get 20% off.
3: And now, the ladies you've been waiting for... Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now.
0: Hi, Haley. I just saw on Instagram some really good photos of you. You have a new kit. Photos were taken, a race announcement. Big things must have happened in the last week for you. I can't wait to hear all about it.
2: The big thing was that we finally had really nice weather and I could go out and take pictures in my new Smashfest Queen kit. You are right. And I did throw in the race announcement that I'm going to go race Ironman 70.3 St. George in a couple weeks here. And I think I might have already mentioned that on the podcast, but or it's been a bucket list race. And so I finally am going to line up, or that's the plan. Uh, knock on wood for the next, uh, I guess, 10 days after this podcast comes out. But
0: yeah. What did you think of my new kit? It's gorgeous. So sponsored by Smashfest Queen, you know, we have so much faith in anything that they'll put you in each time. And just with the dynamo colors are always so bright and fun to see like what exactly that's going to be for the season. So I love it. It's you have like the, a total, like, matching scheme going on, for sure.
2: It has only taken me, like, 10 or 11 years. <laughs> and now, thanks to Smash Fest Queen, I look so pro. But I am very, very excited about the kit and does feature the green and yellow of Dynamo Multisport and some pink thrown in there, which is always nice for uh, visual. And I think the contrast looks kind of good. And then... um I do have my friend, Joe Bergentine, he took those photos and he did an amazing job. So he t- actually took, this is like, this is like Instagram influencer life, right? Like, that's what I felt like when we were out there taking these photos. And I brought my friend, Aaron, who's visiting from Australia right now. I made her come out with me and we were like, it was legit. Like, we're like, this is what Instagram influencers do. But we, he took, I think 700 photos and 30, he sent me 30. Oh my <laughs> so, and that's even like some outtake ones that includes like in the 30 or like some of the outtake ones where my hair is like blowing crazy. And, but I, I'll have to share some of the behind the scenes photos. I'll be sharing some more over the next couple of days, but we were having a jolly good time just, you know, doing the whole Instagram influencer mode, but, and it took a while. I mean, we've talked about this before, like to get photos like that, like it's, it was something we had to schedule and we had to find the weather. And I was really tired and it was like after all the sessions on a friday night and i you know brought aaron along and making those look like as good as he did it was uh thank you joe thanks for making me look good but now i'm spoiling the illusion for everyone i, I do you feel like you know the sh- wool has been pulled over your eyes or is
0: that the right <laughs> is that the right uh, cliche am i using the wrong way something like that, that no i mean i feel like in a place like where you are it's probably fairly easy to find like a picturesque location but I totally agree that the photo shooting life is like way harder than anyone ever gives a credit for I feel like but I mean Instagram influencers are in their own category but it does take a lot of time to do what they do because you do you have to wait for like the light and the sun and it's like in my head you just snap a picture in front of like a pretty background but that is not at all like how it goes and my friends that do the photographer stuff it's like It's way more involved than that, and yeah, it's a time-consuming effort, but it totally worked out. You have some good ones, but I would love to see some of the outtakes too. I will. We got we got to use one of those like reflector
2: things, right? Oh, that's super pro. You hold it up, yeah. Oh, it was amazing. I made Erin take a couple photos with my bike too, and Erin's probably six inches taller than me, or and her legs are probably (laughs) like twelve inches longer than mine, so they look pretty funny. But um, it was amazing. Like where you can reflect the light, and then it like lights you up. And it makes for such a better photo. I mean, there's definitely, like, a there's technique to taking good photos. And, and that will, I will add, it wasn't all fake. That is, like, an actual road that I have ridden on before. And the mountains aren't fake. Those are real. And, yeah, so for all the upcoming pictures. And that is actually my kit. <laughs> and I didn't, like, pin it any weird. That's, like, the actual
0: kit I will be
2: wearing in races. Did you?
0: So I... I will actually like put on like mascara that's like the only makeup I know how to apply if I'm getting pictures taken and so that's like what I do but did you did you try and put any makeup on did you go that far I I didn't
2: (laughs) I didn't even think of that I should have I was like I mean this was the pictures were taken at like Friday night and I was pretty hungry and that was honestly it was and it's it was actually a little bit chillier and windier than it probably looks but no I should have maybe I should have but I wore the sunglasses in some of them so I don't know I'm wearing sunglasses a hat or a helmet I don't know if there's like a point in putting on mascara is probably
0: there? not I think you're actually supposed to do like the other makeup stuff that I just don't own or know how to do even if I did own it so I don't know but maybe for my next time we can like good take it that. one next one one step further yeah
2: next time I'm definitely I'm gonna schedule like a blowout for my hair and then I'm gonna get my sister to come up and do my makeup before and then everyone's gonna be like they won't even know who it is they're like who's this person wearing Haley's kit <laughs> and you'll have great headshots it'll be amazing <laughs> and i'll have millions
0: of followers <laughs> but um no it was it was fun how was how was your weekend it was good it's been pretty quiet and boring which is good it just means i'm getting back into training and i'm just kind of in that like chiseling down phase to figure out like you know it's I'm starting to put in some like routine bigger weeks to see how fit I am, how like when I feel like racing, that kind of thing, and feel it out. But I'm also still like far enough away from any races I would want to do. I can still do some things I won't normally do in the like big build times, especially when I get into Ironman stuff. So we did get to go camping. I went camping with my boyfriend and it was fun. We like had got ourselves since I was in Vermont last summer, like through that, we needed to get a lot of the ultralight camping gear. And then as I was training for the long trail and like through that, we accumulated a lot of the gear. so then we were like, man, hopefully like we want to keep up camping as like a hobby of ours now that we have all of this like gear to use. And so we did like a little test run. So we went out and then like backpacked hiked in two and a half miles to like a camping spot and set it all up and it, we had really good weather. so like luckily that was good. Ramona behaved. so that was good. but that was like the highlight of my weekend. Everything else has been pretty boring and swimming, biking and running. <laughs> Sometimes boring is good, but camping
2: sounds pretty exciting. That would be very exciting for me. So maybe our definitions of boring are quite different. That's true. <laughs> that No, that sounds like a really nice like spring weekend before, you know, when it's not too cold and it hasn't gotten too hot yet. Get to be one with nature. Get back to the dirt. Yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> get sleep up the nerve to be able to do it by
0: myself so that, like, eventually I can go for, like, some self-supported type of hiking endeavors but like baby steps right so like getting the correct gear is one thing and then like making sure you know how to use all the gears so that's like when we go now I'm like okay my job is to like cook us the dinner so that I know I know how to use the little like jet boil stove and I know how to clean things and I know how to like all the nuances of it and then I'll be like okay I'm taking down the tent so that I like know how to pack it up and do all that and hopefully one day I'll have the nerve to do it on my own but it is like sleeping in the woods alone is a, a very scary thing to me. So I don't know. I'll keep the listeners posted.
2: I love that even in like your leisure activities, you are thinking about like, <laughs> what's next? What record can I break? You know, what what next level can I do? Unsupported, self-supported adventures can I go on? But that's cool. Always learning. It's a good way, you know, to challenge your brain and keep yourself like fresh and sharp.
0: Yeah, totally. So, but other than like our, our weeks, we had some exciting podcasting You know, a very exciting week for the podcast. So, first on the sponsor news, we have Wahoo is back as a sponsor. So, we're very excited for their support, and we are training on our Wahoo kickers, and we're just excited to have them continue on with us for the year. And I hope you know our listeners can continue to, you know, let us know if you are doing the Wahoo again stuff and use that hashtag. Let us know, and we'll we'll definitely follow along in your adventures as well. And more sponsored news is that
2: a couple of weeks ago, we had our contest with Zelios Skincare, and we have an actual winner to announce this week. So hopefully, we didn't forget. We didn't forget. It just took a little time for us to figure out who the winner was. But we have a winner, right? We, Alyssa. We do. Here. So
0: drama. Wait, roll. wait, wait. What did she win? What did she win? Oh, yeah. did she win? Let's, so, let's remind everyone what she won. The $50 gift card and travel pack of Zelios goes to... No, wait, travel pack, full product line. Oh, yeah. It was like the full in- <laughs> product
2: line. Remember, this was like the big thing. The travel pack was what I gave away on my Instagram. The, yeah, you guys, I got my contest one. messed up.
0: <laughs> Haley's contest and my, the podcast contest got mixed up in my notes, and I wrote down the wrong thing. Yeah, so. no, no, no. On the, on the podcast,
2: we get to give out like the big prizes, full line of products. So you had the SPF 45 sun barrier, the betwixt chamois cream, the full line of swim and sport shampoo, conditioner, body wash, the body lotion, and a $50 gift card. This winner is going to have the best skin and hair ever. She probably will need to become an Instagram influencer just so that she could
0: show off her great skin and hair. And the winner is Angela Veoland. And hopefully I pronounced your last name correctly, but you will have received an email from us by the time. Podcast comes out and figure out how to get all those goodies. And I'll continue keeping Haley on her A game to make sure she's paying attention in our conversations.
2: <laughs> ah, well, thank you to everyone who played. And hopefully, we'll have some more contests coming up in the next couple weeks or months. But thank you so much for supporting our sponsors. And and Zelios, you can always get 20% off
0: if you go to teamzelios.com and use the code Iron Women. And of course, our last big podcast announcement from the week has been that we launched our Patreon campaign. And so we want to just give a massive thank you to those loyal listeners and fans who have jumped on board without hesitation to support us. For those of you who are thinking about it or maybe didn't listen to last week, we did launch a way for you to be a further part of our community and continue to support us as we produce content and get these stories out for you. And if you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash livefeisty, you can take a look at that and support us. There's levels from $2 up to $25 a month and any little bit helps. Basically, you just would give that monthly donation if you're unfamiliar with how Patreon works. So you sign up for a monthly donation and every month that gets automatically taken out as long as we are still producing the content and it's a win-win then for everyone.
2: Yeah, it helps us grow, bring more media attention to female endurance athletes. And it hopefully, you know, allows us, allows you to feel a little bit more invested in what we are doing. So thank you, thank you, huge thank you to everyone who has already signed up. And if you have any questions, definitely check out that patreon.com forward slash livefeisty and hopefully
0: join us. And this coming week is gonna be no different with big things happening for Iron Women sarah and ashley are headed to texas so everyone can take a look at the iron women facebook and instagram and they will be on the ground live in texas where, where in texas the woodlands is that the Woodlands? Okay, yes ironman texas this is the ironman north american championship this like is the big
2: deal for right? all the
0: marbles you guys all the marbles it's the
2: biggest race in north america outside of kona Everything's bigger in Texas. Iron Man just, so appropriately,
0: it's in Texas. Yeah, so they will be there doing interviews. I'm sure they have something fun queued up to be getting the interviewees, uh, roped in on, but take a look at that and you can stay tuned and be ready to watch everyone race. It's a Saturday race, Sunday race. It's a Saturday Saturday race. race. Yeah. So you
2: start, so I think the, um, live coverage will start Thursday. So the day that this podcast comes out. So you should be able to go to that iron women, Facebook page and start seeing some of those interviews Thursday and Friday. And then during the race on Saturday, you can check out the iron women, Instagram page, which is at Ironwomen underscore podcast for, I think they'll probably be posting some stories, maybe some photos, keeping you cued in on what is going on during the race, which should be a fantastic showdown in Texas. Daniela Reef is racing. And there's also, well, I don't know. I think this, the start list is out, right? I think Jeannie Seymour is, who's another podcast guest, um, from about a year ago, making her Ironman debut, Ironman distance debut. So there's, I mean, those are just a couple, you know, super biker, Kim Morrison. I think I've seen that she'll be there. It's always a fun race down in Ironman, Texas fast course. Last year we had all those world records. So, um, definitely tune in and, and watch Sarah and Ashley at work.
0: And Haley, we are going to work through some of our mailbag questions. We've had several coming in, which is great. And people can continue to send in the questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll take a stab at them. And if if you don't hear yours on this episode, it will be coming up on an upcoming episode just as we get through them. Um, So this week we have a question that came in from Anne. And her question is... Well, she sets it up first with some background, right? So she's starting to get a little bit more serious in triathlon training, and she's thinking about swapping her Monday night recreational water polo training for a swim session with the triathlon club. But she's reluctant to stop polo because she's realized she really enjoys it because it has this element of play involved, and she would miss that a lot. And there is camaraderie and fun in training hard, you know, quotes, fun in when just, like, training hard for triathlon, but there's not play like she's getting in the water polo training. So... She mentions that even the toughest boot camp sneaks in a game of tag once in a while, but try is so serious all the time. The closest we get to play is that one of the trainers gives us scenarios at the pool. Like tonight, the waves are coming in from the right, so you can only breathe on the left for this set. This is hilarious. So he just moved from Australia. Maybe like there's more room for playing games in other countries. And so I guess she's Dutch. So she's wondering if this is like a Dutch thing or is try very serious all over. And just curious about our take on that. And if we fit play into triathlon training.
2: So this is a good question. I'm feeling like I'm too serious at this point (laughs) (laughs) because I've never done anything like the waves are coming from the right, only breathe from the left. Who is this coach? That must be an Australian thing. This is, you know, it's an interesting question because I think in my own training, yes, I'm probably fairly serious most of the time, but I am racing at like the highest level possible. And a lot of the time I'm honestly like, Too tired (laughs) to play. No, not too tired, but I just I'm trying to like get the most out of myself. But I will say, there are times, even for me, I think last year for my birthday, I did, you know, what was called a picnic where we rode our bikes up to this mountain lake, swim across the lake, and then hiked a mountain and came back down. And that to me was play and kind of a celebration of fitness. Just because when you are fit enough, like, yeah, you can play. Like you have to be have a certain amount of fitness even to play tag. So I think there is a place for, for play in triathlon. And I also think, you know, if, if you have fun doing water polo, do water polo, you know, once, especially if it's once a week, you know, it just like, you're still in the water. You're still feeling the water. Water polo is really hard from my, my own experiences with water polo. I found it harder than most swim training. So I think you're still going to get a lot of exercise in and that's what you enjoy. Go do it.
0: Yeah, I think you nailed it. I was going to say the same thing about water polo. I think that's an excellent, like, training. You know, while it might not be consistent, like, swim meterage or yardage or whatever, like, it's definitely in the water, good aerobic training and, like, skills training and other things. So, that if that's something you really like and, like, makes your week, then... By all means, like keep it in and I'm sure you can fit in another couple swims at other times during the week or something like that. You know, I think it's, I don't know if it's like a country by country. I think it's just such a personality thing because I do, I think triathletes a lot of times are, you know, type A personalities, you know, and they like their ducks in a row. And so they like things kind of, you know, straightforward and simple and they're going to, you know, oftentimes try to get the most out of their minutes that they have in their training bucket right and so for most people I think sometimes they believe that means like swimming and biking and running and they might not see the corollary there but I I do think that you know if you have this personality that likes some more fun like set up things like Haley was saying and maybe that's a good way to like if you take initiative and kind of create some of those things people will join you and you'll realize that like okay you're still swim training bike training and run training but like you're doing them in a way that feels like play to you um, and you can just dream up these like adventure days or something like that and I find that if you have a couple good training partners you know like you said triathlon training is fun but like you really can kind of play a little bit more just through the sessions and things like that and I think as you do get closer to race time you you know you have to kind of hone in the training a little bit more but it is always fun and kind of a, a play thing if you keep a good attitude to train hard and you know like I'd go on rides with My friend Leslie who lives nearby and we'd be like trying to drop each other for three hours and like we knew you know it was a fun game for us but it was it was you know quite serious triathlon training at the same time and so there is a balance there but I think I'm always encouraging people to do like their social run clubs or I do a a treadmill class or like orange theory quite often so that you know that to me is like more of a a play fun type of way to train and it's still valuable so uh, you just have to find what is going to keep you interesting, I think, at the end of the day, and then just do that. Like, there's no use in doing pure swim, bike, run if you're just going to get burnt out right away. I... I did think you're spot on there with
2: finding like a one or two friends, like, or two training partners. And that can, you know, if you just have that mindset of this is fun, even if it is something terrible, it's amazing how much fun it can be, how much, you know, even if it is serious training. And, and one other thing that I found my friend, Erin, who I mentioned during the intro, well, she's here. We always do social recovery after friday morning swims we usually do a pretty hard swim on friday mornings and then we would do what we called social recovery and we go get like fancy coffee and i look forward to that like so much it gets me out of bed on friday mornings you know and no matter what is thrown at me on that friday morning set i know that i'm going to have my social recovery time we like sit and we have our fancy coffee and like to me that's kind of play too like just enjoying stuff after the workout you know like being able to kind of you know, talk about the workout and be like, oh, that part was terrible, but we made it. And that can be really fun. So yeah, finding that group, maybe that's
0: what you need is just that, that right group. Our second mailbag question comes in from Alicia, who we actually know she was at camp a couple weeks ago with me in Tucson, and she was at the Outspoken Summit as well. So definitely a fan of Iron Woman. Hi, Alicia. And she has a question about caffeine. So she wants to know when we take it during the race and how much we take She's heard people say that in an Ironman, they will not take caffeine until the second half of the marathon. Some say they start taking it on the bike and continue through the race. And people say, like, once you start taking it, you, ha- you can't stop because you might bonk. So she wants to hear our opinions of the-, the caffeine situation. And if anyone's listened to this podcast, I think they know that Haley and I are both caffeine fans. <laughs> Yeah, but I think this is a really fascinating
2: question because I think this is like a controversial topic. Like some people it is where they they do the caffeine fast um, where they don't do caffeine for a while and then they use it during the race and maybe only at a certain time during the race. So my personal experience is I used to drink coffee all the time. And then I was having some absorption issues kind of with just like everything with my, you know, food and uh, some are just some GI issues. And so I cut back on just a variety of foods. And one of them was caffeine, coffee and foods with caffeine and just helping trying to help with my GI issues and like absorption issues. And I, what I learned, uh, ultimately, like my GI system has healed and it's gotten things have gotten better. But one of the things I learned was that I, I liked the feeling of when I did return, when I did return to drinking coffee, I could really feel it. And I believe there was a study that came out, a, you know, a couple months or years ago, probably while I was doing this that said that like caffeine fasts don't work. You get the benefit of caffeine, no matter what, if it's your fourth cup, if you have four cups a day and you, you know, have caffeine the next day, you're still going to get the benefit. Or if you do zero caffeine for two weeks and then you have caffeine, you're still, you're getting the exact same benefit. There's no extra benefit from doing a caffeine fast but i found that there's a psychological benefit. <laughs> so i kind of do probably i i try to save caffeine now for for bigger days for when i you know have a hard session even if it is just a placebo. i mean i think that, i don't think it's a placebo. i think it does work. i think it is performance enhancing, but a placebo in that it works more if you don't have it every day, i just feel it more. so that's my personal thing is that and it also just gives me I love it. I love coffee. Like it is one of my favorite things and I don't necessarily like to withhold things, but it's kind of the extra treat. Like I was mentioning before about my, you know, fancy coffee Fridays after a really hard swim. It's like this treat, you know, that I treat myself to afterwards. Or when I know I have a really hard bike session, I'm like, I'm going to drink coffee before.
0: So I I do use it that way. Yeah. I love coffee as well. And I have, like, zero willpower when it comes to withholding anything like that from myself that I decide (laughs) I want or like. So I've thought about, like, trying the caffeine fasting and stuff a little bit, but, like, never actually really went through with anything of, like, some substance, I guess, before a race. But, you know, I have it while I'm racing. I agree wholeheartedly that, like, so much of it is that psychological boost, right? Like, I think there's absolutely the physical boost, but, like, what you – your mind's just so powerful and, like, caffeine plays into that, I think, to, like – A big degree, and so I I typically try to wait. You know, like I'll have caffeine at the start of the race, and then if I'm feeling good, I will like try and encourage myself to hold off as long as I can in Ironman or or whatever, and be like, okay, like make it to halfway running strong, and then you can have some, and like that just mentally, I think you know will give me that like, okay, I've had this, and now like surely I'm gonna feel better for the second half, and like be able to hold this pace and stuff like that. But at the same time, like if the race isn't going quite well, like. I don't, you know, I'll take it whenever I feel like I need it or something like that, or I'll have a Coke early and things like that. Some people do think that like, you don't want to take Coke super early and like once, unless you're going to continue it because your your blood sugar will crash or something like that. And I think it's something you'll learn with yourself through racing and training with it. Um, you know, cause I do like, I'll be on a super long ride and I'll hit a Red Bull or, or two if it's a really long ride. And um, you learn how your body reacts to that stuff. And I think just so much of it has to do with like, how much you're using caffeine in your daily life and things like that. But it's certainly like a tool to to experiment with and keep in your tool belt and just not worry about like what might be working for other people and just try and figure out what works for you.
2: That is great advice. That being said, (laughs) I use caffeine during every I start like, yeah, I think from before the race, I don't. I don't, yeah, withhold it during a race. Again, races, I think races and hard workouts. I don't withhold anything for myself. If it sounds good and I want it, I go for it. But try, try it yourself. Like try, you know, different things and yeah, different caffeine sources. Whether it's coke, whether it's coffee, whether it's caffeinated gels or noon with caffeine. I know that that, you know, I used noon with caffeine, um, the noon endurance with caffeine during Ironman seventy point three Bariloche, and I think that caffeine is like a green tea extract, so it's supposed to be you know, a little more bonk resistant, I guess, but I don't really notice like caffeine bonks
0: ever, <laughs> but I think I just keep it coming in. All right. Well, people can continue to send in mailbag questions to Podcast at gmail.com. And, but we'll get into our interview that we do have coming up this week. That's right. This week, our guest is one that I go way back with. Her name is Kyra
2: Weens, and she is a professional triathlete. And but it's kind of fun because Kyra and I actually swam together when we were, I guess, pre-teens or tweens. What do we, what do we call those these years? People and they're like 10 to 13 years old. Tweens, I think for sure. Tweens. Yeah. We were tweens together. So I'm a little bit older than Kyra, but, and I still. Started, I kind of jumped into triathlon a little bit ahead of her, but I've been able to watch her career over the past couple of years, and she's someone that has just progressed over the you know the last couple of years up the prog- up the professional ranks. She races Ironman and seventy point three distances. Most recently, she finished twelfth at Ironman 70.3 oceanside at the end of last year she had some breakthrough races finishing seventh at both indian wells and waco 70.3s and we're excited to hear a little bit more about how she got into the sport because it's kind of unique and then what her plans are for the rest of the season
0: wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to iron man Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves,
2: Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including kicker smart trainers, element bike computers, and ticker heart rate monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. Hi Kyra. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hey guys. Thanks so much for having me on. It's an honor. Well, first of all, huge congratulations. You just started your season with a 12th place finish at Ironman 70.3 Oceanside in a pro women's field that was stacked with world champions and Olympians. So in your post race, Instagram, you actually mentioned this being your strongest start to a season ever. So I'm curious, did you do anything different during the off season or during your early season training? to enable you to start the year with such a bang?
1: I wish I could say I did because there would be like a secret I could share with you. But, um, the answer is no, a couple things, uh, were different for me this year going into Oceanside. One is I really think it's consistency and depth of fitness. This is my sixth year, I think riding a bike, (laughs) and it's just taken a long time to build into that discipline. I don't have a background in cycling and the other thing that I think was different this year going into Oceanside is um, I'm just racing differently now. One of the biggest challenges for me with triathlon has actually been getting my race performance to match my training efforts and learning how to race fearlessly, learning how to leave it all on the pavement has been uh, really difficult for me to build into. And I would say my last couple races in 2018 were really the first two where I felt like I did that. And at Oceanside this year, I was able to do that again. So I'm really excited about 2019 to be able to have that confidence going into races that I can just go gun to tape and and leave it all out on the course. I think I actually like that answer better
0: than if you had a secret or something, because I know I have athletes listening to this. So (laughs) the more that people realize that there is no like magic bullet here. Right. And it's just that secret of consistency, perhaps Uh, is definitely, you know, I'm a I'm a fan of that answer. So (laughs) but let's talk about Oceanside for you. How did that day play out? And like, did you know you were in for a great race right, you know, from the first few swim strokes?
1: The first few swim strokes, ooh,
0: or diving I, under the waves, like it was an ocean swim, right? So, yeah,
1: or
2: that that run into the water looked a little bit. Um, that looked a little aggressive. I don't know if
1: anyone saw the video of Sarah True getting like run over. Did th- Did you notice that happening? I leaped right over her. She was right in front of me when she fell, and. Oh my God. I, I just reacted and leaped right over her and just kept running. I mean, what do you do? And you just hope that she gets up and and is able to get in the water. The swim was really sporty. (laughs) I am not used to ocean swimming, and this is my first time doing a—it's not my first— beach start, but it was my first beach start going into swells like that. I was completely unprepared for that level of waves breaking. I've never had to run into waves where I couldn't stand. (laughs) And so getting past the break was very intimidating. I remember this moment of looking up and I'm swimming. I can't stand. The pro women are scattered everywhere, uh, from where I was, it looked like people were just miles from each other within, you know, a few seconds. And I remember looking up at this wave towering over me and just knowing, I mean, what do you do? And, and so I just swam into the waves as best as I could, but it was one of the first times I'll be honest. It was one of the first times in a race where I was not sure I was going to make it. I, I, really started to get panicked swimming for the first time. And I, I, I'm a strong swimmer that usually doesn't happen, but I remember looking at these waves and just thinking, Oh gosh, I don't know if I can get past the break.
2: How did you handle that panic? I mean, cause I think that is something that a lot of people, you know, deal with. Did you, were you able to like, you know, calm your mind or do a mantra or just keep going and tell yourself, okay, I'm making forward progress. This will end. Like, do you, do you have any secrets there?
1: <laughs> I focused on spearing my hands into the waves. I couldn't stand, so I couldn't do the typical like dolphin into the waves. So I focused on really driving into the waves and and not letting myself get caught on top. And I think there's something really ingrained in me that just can't go backward. I'm always looking forward, always looking forward. So I just focused on turnover and and diving hard into the waves and just told myself like, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. You can decide later, but right now you have to go. <laughs> and then, so
0: you get through the break and then you're swimming, you know, were you, did you start, start to calm down in the ocean? And then, you know, how did the things that, you know, there probably weren't, wasn't crazy, crazy conditions. I don't think I heard on the bike and the run. So that part of the day probably got a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Once I got through the break, Um, and out into open water, I did slow down a bit and, and collect myself, which again, I don't, I don't normally do, but the field was so spread out and I just needed that time to like, okay. All my body parts are still here. (laughs) Um, and then after that, yes, you're right. The conditions were perfect. Um, it was sunny, but cool. Um, the bike course is really, really lovely through, uh, through camp Pendleton. It's really a treat that we get to ride on the base there for this race. And then the run, yeah, you have the sea breeze coming off you. You can look out on the ocean. It was, it was really a perfect day for that. Cool. Well, you mentioned your swim, your swim background. And
2: if any of our listeners, this might be a fun fact they don't know, but you (laughs) and I actually swam on the same swim team in Fort Collins, Colorado in late 1990s and early 2000s. And one of my first introductions to Ironman triathlon actually came from your mom, B van horn. So I remember watching your mom and I think she must've been in her late forties when she started doing triathlon and she just transformed herself into this incredible athlete as she was training for her first Ironman. So what was it like for you being in high school, you know, middle school, high school aged to watch your mom jump into what was then and still kind of is a pretty niche and extreme sport?
1: Yes, it is a complicated question for me to answer because my feelings about it are still so complicated in the way that I look at that time. When my mom did become an Ironman athlete and she's still racing now, she's still doing 70.3s now. And the way, let me say this that now, as an adult myself and as a mom, my husband's 15 year old moved in with us in September. So I'm a stepmom now. I can really respect that she took a big step for herself that she really carved out something that she was passionate about and for herself. And as you say, Haley, she really did transform. It became a really big part of her identity triathlon did. And I look at her now she's almost 70 and I, I can really see that she's an inspiration to other women uh, who want to be fit and who want to have things for themselves later in life I think that what makes that a difficult question to answer is that even though I hold this respect and admiration for my mom, and I love that we can sometimes race together, at the same time, I also remember as a kid feeling like this person who used to be available for me and present in my life walked out. She went to being gone most of the weekend, training most evenings, going to bed early so she could do her early morning swim practices. And that was a really big change for my sister and me to absorb and a really big change for my dad to absorb as well. And so I've learned a lot from her about how to be a good role model and how to really be unapologetic about pursuing what I'm passionate about, which now of course is also triathlon. Uh, At the same time, I've learned a lot about what not to do. And I hope that I'm implementing some lessons that I learned from her positive and negative as I try to balance life with my family and, and help raise my, my stepdaughter. So
0: Kyra, it's interesting because, you know, listening to your story like that, I'm almost a little bit surprised that you were like, I am never doing swim, bike, run, right? So, (laughs) And granted, even with your swimming and running background, it still took you more than a decade to finally give in and join your mom in the triathlon world. So what was it that made you finally, you know, decide to give swim, bike run a try and like, kind of, you know, was it a matter of forgiveness or was it like a curiosity about like, had she kind of found something for herself in that time that she was doing that?
1: Yes. (laughs) uh, The, the turning point was really a friend of mine gave me Chrissy Wellington's autobiography and what that book really showed me, not only is it really, it's an inspirational book to read. But I think what was really key for me when I read that book was to say, oh, or to see, oh, there's a way of being a triathlete that doesn't have to be exactly like my mom was a triathlete, because I knew I didn't want to be exactly like her. And I wanted to find my own way. And so for me to read a book about somebody doing triathlon in her own way, the way Christy Wellington did, gave me space to say, okay, I could, I could carve my own path in this. And so you're right. I, I did become very curious about the sport. Uh, what is here that these strong women are seeing that may be here for me as well. And I will also say that the financial barriers to getting into triathlon are pretty high. And so when I did go to my mom and I said, Hey, so I, I think I want to try this the whole triathlon thing, even though I said for 10 years, I never would. (laughs) What do you think? She bought me my first bike and to have that gift going into the sport was also a big, a big part of it. And
2: I know we talk about balance and if balance exists or not, that's, that's not quite our our debate today, but are there, what kind of things do you do different, you know, now that you are a parent and your husband races on too, and and not only are you triathlete, but you're a professional triathlete. This is your job. I mean, so, so what kind of boundaries do you set to help with that, I guess, energy management between your life as a parent and your life as a pro triathlete and even your relationship?
1: Yes, we've made a lot of changes to be able to accommodate the way that both my husband and I train. Um, and also be there for our our kids. Even though you're right, this is my job. It's full-time. I'm a full-time triathlete now. Part of the reason that I did go full-time is because when I was an age grouper and even when I was a professional triathlete and still working full-time, we wouldn't finish our days until 7 o'clock at night or even later, and we would be exhausted (laughs) as well. So one of the reasons that I did go full-time triathlete is to be able to balance that a little bit better. And I know that that's not a privilege that everyone has. So it is tougher, I think, as an age grouper when you're you're trying to balance career and, and a passion. The other thing that I've learned from my mom is that I communicate a lot better with our kids about the tempo of the year. And so I tell them that there are certain times of the year where uh, their dad and I are not going to be as available. Um, and that's typically leading up to, especially leading up to a full Ironman. Um, and especially in the summers, we're just not able to be as present. And we balance that out by in the times where we're not racing, Um, the off season, we try to really show up for them and communicate that that's the time that we are available and remind them like, Hey, I know it's really in the summer, remind them, Hey, I know it's really hard now, but like November, December, (laughs) hang on. And then the other thing that we do is we take one, if not two, no triathlon vacations every year. We don't bring bikes and we're just with them. And it's just about being with our family and I think that that's important too, that they see that triathlon is a part of our lives, but it's not at the cost of missing events at school that are important for them or being able to take trips that, that don't involve
0: <laughs> 3,000 people in spandex. <laughs> and Kyra, it seems like once you did start doing triathlon, the successes came pretty quick for you and you found yourself on age group and overall podiums almost right away. And then it seems like once you qualified, you wasted not a lot of time to make the leap into the pro ranks as well. So can you tell us about what went into that decision?
1: Yes, I did go pro very quickly. I think after only two years in the sport and what I would say is this, the, the first question I had to ask myself is, do I want to go to Kona? Because it would have been a lot easier for me to go to Kona as an age grouper And I actually qualified twice as an age grouper didn't go. And of course, as a pro, I'm, I'm still a long way off from being able to go. So I I think that that was a question I had to ask myself, how important was it to get to Kona? The second thing that I would say that's related is that, as you say, Alyssa, I was on the podium pretty much right away. And to give that up (laughs) It really requires a strong sense of purpose, especially that first year, you know, you're gutting it out and you feel like you're getting better and then you end up like 14th and you're like, but I want my, you know, I want that ego boost. I want that trophy. I want the applause. And so again, I think it's really coming back to what is your purpose for being in the sport? And for me, when I thought about going pro, the answer was very clearly I want to be the best that I can be. And to be able to race against people who can push me past what I think my limits are to be able to have a clean course where I can see my competitors, even if they're, you know, miles ahead, I still catch glimpses of them as opposed to being in sort of a crush to be able to get out of the drafting Pelotons. I really felt like for me, that was the race experience I wanted to be the best athlete I could be. And The last thing that I would say is I love being an ambassador for the sport. I love that people come up to me and tell me their stories. I love being able to speak to new triathletes. I love being able to participate in this world and hopefully encourage other women to be in the sport. You know, we were talking about Oceanside and I think it was less than a quarter of the people at Oceanside were women. And so I think about that and I think about how do we get more of a gender balance in this sport. How do we get 50 women to Kona? Um, And I think one of the answers is that women who can be pro, who can go pro need to step up so that we can increase the, the number of women who are pro. And I think women also need to step up and speak about the importance of athletics for women in particular.
2: Amen. Um, (laughs) No, I admire that decision because it is hard. And I remember when you were, when you first went pro and giving up on that Kona opportunity, I think that is something that a lot of people, you know, or you're not giving up on the Kona, but the easier path to Kona. And that is something I think a lot of people debate. So it's great to hear your insight on that. And yeah, and it's cool to see now that you're, I don't think you're that far off Kona, but anyway, <laughs> going you. back, 2018 was a fantastic year for you. You already mentioned, um, your last two races of the year, last three races of the year, you qualified and raced at the 70.3 world championships in South Africa in September. Um, in October, you had a seventh place finish at 70.3 or duathlon, Waco, Waco duathlon. <laughs> and then in, you followed up in December with a another seventh place finish at Ironman 70.3 Indian Wells. So you seem like the kind of athlete that is able to build year after year. You've spoken about your consistent improvement. What does consistency mean to you?
1: Yes, <laughs> I think a big part of consistency is finding a way to be joyful and to be committed to what you're doing every day. I enjoy every workout I do. I enjoy the training. I enjoy the process. And I think that that makes it a lot. I think that's a really big difference in being able to show up for yourself day after day and week after week and layer that on. I know triathletes who after their last week our last race of the season are burned out and they feel like they need to take a month, two months, five months, a year off. And so I think finding a way to stay connected with the sport, to be joyful in the sport is really important to having that consistency. And then also I would say that finding a way to walk that line or, or hover on that edge between maximizing your performance, absorbing all the training you can but not being overcooked. It really takes a lot of experience and being able to listen to your own body. And it also takes, for me, it's taken a lot of trust in my coach to be able to commit to that plan and know that the workouts that he's putting down for me, even if I don't think that I can do um, a really hard track workout after a really hard swim uh, to trust that that the fitness is there and and to go for it. So, you know, there are days where you listen to your body and you say, this isn't the workout for me. And then there's days where you look at what's on the training plan and you say, oh my gosh, well, he thinks I can do it, so I can do it. And then I think the other part of consistency is really building up a team that knows you and that inspires you and that can support you. You know, a coach is a really important part of that. I think it takes a while to, and you both coach, so I don't need to tell you this, but I think it takes a while for that coach athlete relationship to develop so that both you and your coach kind of know where, know how to maximize the amount of training that you can absorb. And then I think it also takes having other people around you who can support you, whether it's family members or friends or training partners. Uh, I'm lucky to have sponsors as well, which, you know, all of that is helpful so that you have this whole team of people around you that can support you as you, as you pursue your goals. I love the little shout
2: out to Matthew Rose there your coach who's also my coach He's from Dynamo, coach. Dynamo Multisport. I love we have to give Matthew a little shout out there but yeah it, sometimes it is like you look at your workouts and you are like what
0: is this a mistake and you're like okay no I can do it like that is, that is something that, uh, yeah, coaches are good for hearing hard swim followed by a hard track session. My mind immediately went to be like, that would be a quad shot latte morning. Like I would be stopping at Starbucks in between the swim and the track <laughs> for like hitting the four shot latte for the day. Like, boom, that also
1: helps the consistency. I think the caffeine, <laughs> I am all about self bribery oh, and totally. It yeah. takes coffee to get you excited about your next workout, you know, take coffee. Sometimes I'm like, okay, if I get through this workout, then I'm going to have like, you know, a really nice smoothie waiting for me at home or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. It's all about
0: the treats. I love it. (laughs) Uh, So in addition to being a professional triathlete though, you are also a yoga teacher. So how do you incorporate the yoga practice into your triathlon training?
1: Yes. I cannot imagine being... I think I'm a better yogi for being a triathlete. And I think I'm a better triathlete for being a yogi. I started practicing yoga as a way to recover from triathlon, uh, to recover from my workouts, to, you know, flexibility is so important in triathlon. Like even just being able to get into a more aero position on the bike requires a certain amount of flexibility and then also injury prevention as well. So that was why I started practicing yoga And now that I'm a teacher, I've really come to appreciate what yoga offers in terms of the practice of being present. I think anyone can get from the start line to the finish line with a certain amount of training, just like anyone can sit in silence for, you know, a certain number of minutes. But I think if you really want to be great, if you really want to have a day that shows the best of where you are physically and mentally you have to be present every single step you have to be thinking is this the race that i want is this the pedal stroke that i want i'm right here in my body right now and i'm listening and i'm maximizing what i can do in this moment and meditation offers a a path for honing that mental skill of i'm here and i'm with my breath and i'm not distracting myself and i'm in my body and i think those skill sets are are very complementary the other thing that yoga offers for athletes is proprioception and body awareness yoga teaches you a lot about how to access muscle groups or how to access subtle engagement translates well across disciplines so that when i'm getting technique feedback from my coach in the swimming pool I know how to implement that more quickly. Or if I'm running and something feels off, I can more quickly assess what's happening in my body and perhaps offer an adjustment to, to myself. And, and yoga offers, offers that, I think, for any athlete.
2: And speaking of body awareness, Um, I've watched a few of your Instagram videos and they suggest you're a big fan of doing plyometrics. And (laughs) there's a lot of videos of you jumping, skipping, running up and down a speed ladder things. I'm not sure I have the body awareness to do, but they are impressive. So what
1: kind of benefit have you seen from these sessions? I started doing plyometrics because I had, plantar fasciitis and stress fractures almost ongoing for five or six years. I was almost always in constant pain. And finally I was like, what, (laughs) why am I still doing this? I need to make a change. So I started working with a physical therapist and also with a running coach to overhaul the way that I run two years ago. Now I want to say, and I learned a lot about my mechanics but I think Plyometrics fast tracks you to be able to learn. So one of the big things that Plyometrics teaches you is core engagement. And I realized that when I was running, I was letting my core be loose, which was putting a lot of strain on my lower back and preventing me from being able to shock absorb very well through my legs and through my feet. And also a lack of core engagement is also related to being able to have upper body mobility. So when you look at runners and you see their shoulders swinging from side to side, versus you look at like a typical triathlete runner, and it's like the stiff upper body Ironman shuffle. So, learning how to engage the core to create that kind of fluidity and shock absorption has made all the difference in the way that I can run without being injured. So, I haven't had any foot injuries since I started doing plyometrics and, and working with a physical therapist. Um, and I've also dropped time on my half marathon pretty substantially. So I do a lot of plyometrics, especially in the off season. And I feel like plyometrics, um, in combination with weightlifting once a week is such a great way to build strength and resilience and, um, the kinds of core strength and muscle memory that translate really well to, to running, especially.
0: I love a good speed ladder. It takes me back to
1: my soccer days whenever I have to do it. (laughs) Uh, I know the most uncoordinated. I grew up swimming, so I'm like hand-eye coordination. What? (laughs) Oh, I did them all the time
0: growing up, and I still, like, my the woman I work with for strength stuff, she still, like, laughs because I, like, have to say out loud to myself, like, which arm goes at which foot, which at which time, and then she's like, you're still doing it wrong. Like, this is, like, come on, and then she'll just be like, whatever, just go through it. Because I'm having fun, so we'll we'll keep it. Um, Kyra, you've been a vegan since you've been in high school, and you've written several articles on eating vegan as an elite endurance athlete. So do you have tips for our listeners who either might be like thinking about becoming vegetarian or vegan, but they worry about getting the proper nutrition needed for peak performance and, you know, maybe some extra tips for people who already are, and they just might not be thinking about these things.
1: Sure. Yeah. Great questions. Um, the first thing that I would ask, folks to think about if they're thinking about going vegan is, are you trying to eat healthier and using a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet as a way to (laughs) try and eat healthier? Or are you already a pretty good eater or a pretty clean eater and you're interested in in being vegan or vegetarian for a different reason? Um, And the reason that I would ask that is because I think that in terms of maximizing performance, nutrition is so, so important. And a lot of the same things that apply to eating any diet would also apply to to eating a vegan diet. So if you are already someone who doesn't eat a lot of fresh produce, if you are already someone who relies on processed foods, if you are already someone who eats out in restaurants a lot, and now you're going to try and go vegan, I guess I would say it's Possible to eat badly on a vegan diet, just like it's possible to eat badly on an omnivore's diet. So, as it relates to being vegan in particular, the two questions that that I get most often are protein and iron, or or other or vitamin B twelve, other sort of um, omega threes, other micronutrients that aren't as plentiful in plant based diet. So what I would say about protein in particular is that for most Americans, we overeat how much protein that we need as an athlete, your protein requirements are harder. And so if you don't like tofu and you don't like tempeh and you don't like seitan being vegan as an endurance athlete, is going to be really tough for you. (laughs) Um, beans just don't have the kind of protein density that you're looking for. So, you know, first advice, eat well no processed foods <laughs> stay away from restaurants and that's across the board. Second as it relates to being vegan, particularly really think about protein content um, working with a doctor or a nutritionist can be really helpful you can get your protein levels checked And then lastly I think eating a variety of fruits and vegetables considering you know a multivitamin, or anything else specific that comes up from like blood work can also be helpful. But, um, I, I don't think that there's like a secret about eating vegan that would be too different from a normal diet.
2: That's an interesting perspective. And it is, yeah, that what is your reason? I mean, that's probably good for anything in life, knowing what your reason is, if you're making a change, but we, we spoke about your writing and you write not even, not only about eating vegan, but about a variety of topics. And I think you even sometimes publish flash fiction. So can you tell us what flash fiction is? And have you, I mean, I think you've always been a writer. I think I was on your Christmas card list sometime when we were young, (laughs) very young, and you wrote these amazing Christmas cards when we were like, you know, teenagers. So I think I can say that you're, you've always had a passion for writing, but how has it developed throughout your adult life?
1: Yes. I, <laughs> I was a double major in English and biology. I thought for a while I wanted to be a science writer. <laughs> um, but I, I always loved writing. It's, it helps me know what to think. So if I'm Confused about something or unsure about something, if I write about it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what's going on in my head. <laughs> Especially as athletes, we spend so much time like ruminating over the same little stories to get it out on paper for me has always been really helpful. Um, I have published a couple flash fiction stories this past year. Flash fiction is like I don't know, a thousand, fifteen hundred words or less. But fiction is sort of a new <laughs> a new trial for me. But I'm a lot more comfortable blogging and, and writing nonfiction. I've had a few few pieces published published there. Yeah.
0: And so what's next for you and where can our listeners follow your adventures, read what you're writing, and see everything else that you take
1: on this season. Oh, well, thank you for asking Alyssa. (laughs) Um, I have a website, Kyra and, and also post on Instagram pretty frequently. What's next for this year is I'm going to return back to the full Ironman distance. Last year was really an effort to last year. I only raced halves and my hope was to get to build up some speed at the half distance so that when I return to full Ironmans, which will be this year, starting with Montremblant, hopefully will be the plan so that I can extend that speed twice as long. I, I think that I'm better suited to the full distance. So I'm really, really excited to get back into that this year and we'll see. Very cool. We will
2: look forward to that. Um, just watching you on more start lines this year and that full Ironman and Mont Tremblant. I've done that one. It's a great one. That's good. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on today, Kyra. And congratulations again on your great race in Oceanside. Yeah. Thanks ladies. Appreciate it. Haley,
0: do you know what our most popular Iron Women
2: episode has been so far? I do, Alyssa, because you know I love the numbers. And it goes back to fall of 2017 when we interviewed exercise physiologist Stacy Sims. You are right. And do you know what Stacy Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with Noon Hydration to help formulate some products that... Have the female endurance athlete in
0: mind. Noon Hydration products have clean, quality ingredients and are also non GMO project verified, which means top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon Hydration
2: offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My
0: personal favorite is Noon Sport Fruit Punch flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the Noon Sport in the grape flavor, and our listeners can go to noonlife.com and shop with a 30% off code of iron women to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know that's noonlife.com with the code iron women for 30% off. Haley, well, it was super fun for me to get to talk to Kyra and learn more about her. I know you guys have known each other since you were tweens, but fun for me to hear more of her story and get to, you know, see another side of her she has an interesting
2: story and I think that a lot of parents can kind of relate, which is, you know, unique in the professional triathlon world, just both, I mean, and parents and people who have parents who are triathletes can probably relate because it's, you know, she is an interesting person in that her mom was doing triathlon before her. And I think we're going to see this, you know, as the women who are having, you know, the professional triathletes who are having children. Now those children grow up, we're going to have more people like Kyra. And it's going to, you know, it's pretty cool to have like your mom be, kind of guiding your way in that way in this like extreme sport. And then now they get to go and do races together. I think they'll be doing Coeur d'Alene 70.3. I think, I don't know if she mentioned that on or off, um, off the recording that she said that she and her mom would both be there racing. So that's pretty
0: cool that you can do races with your mom. Super cool. Yeah. I think you're right that we will definitely be seeing a lot more of that in the years to come though. And so kind of cool to, to see it playing out with, with Kyra too. Exactly. So, Alyssa,
2: any fun plans for the weekend, or are you uh, laying low, enjoying just being back in Virginia and enjoying that spring weather?
0: That one for sure. I'm just ready to keep the boring life going for a little bit more before I start some some travel taking place for the summer. Cool. Well, enjoy your weekend. I hope you have great
2: weather. And I will talk. Oh, I will be tuning in to the. Uh, Iron Women live coverage happening at Ironman Texas with Sarah and Ashley on our Iron Women Facebook page on Thursday, Friday and on the Instagram page on Saturday anxiously watching that race uh seeing how it unfolds because it's it's going to be a good one. I I have a feeling.
0: Can't wait to watch and then we'll catch up on everything next
3: week. Bye Alyssa. Bye Haley. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners, Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FKC Nutrition, and SmashFest Queen.